0: Tonight we are going to move forward with our study of spiritual disciplines. Over the past several weeks, we've been touching on and discussing this subject. Uh, These being things, the spiritual disciplines being things that should be evident in all Christians and every believer who is growing and maturing and nurturing in their walk with God. We've discussed things as the importance of Scripture reading and memorization. We have talked about prayer. We have talked about worship and evangelism. And tonight, we're going to tackle the discipline of serving. Serving. Um, What does it mean to serve? Well, let me tell you what Webster says it means to serve. Webster says this. um, And I noticed that this thing of serve is a verb. Anybody remember what verbs are? They're what you do, right? That's English class back in school. You know? Verbs are what you do. And so this is the Webster Dictionary meaning of the word serve. To perform duties or services for another person or organization. Therefore, a servant would be a person who performs duties for others. They're devoted and a helpful follower or supporter. So that led me to this question: Is it possible to love God and not be a servant? Is it possible to love God and not care about others? And as I read through Scripture, I have to tell you that I believe that that answer is a definitive no. Um, Jesus didn't model that type of lifestyle. It was never preached, proclaimed, or practiced anywhere throughout Scripture. As a matter of fact, as we're going to talk about this evening, the idea was that if you love God, then the byproduct of that would be that you love your neighbor. That would be the next step. The greatest commandment was that you love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that you love your neighbor as yourself. And there are many passages tonight that we could look through uh, we could go through a, a plethora of Bible verses um, that would talk about this idea of servanthood tonight, but for the sake of time, we don't have that luxury. So I've selected three, three passages of scriptures that I want to go through tonight. The first two will deal with some of the philosophies, some of the thought processes of serving, and then the last one gives us a pretty good bullet list of what serving people looks like. So let's go to uh, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. As you get to Mark chapter 10, we're going to start reading in verse 35, but I, f- I find it interesting, um, <clears throat> the dialogue that happens even just a little bit before verse 35, before you get there, um, there is a for let's just call a staff discussion maybe that would be a good thing that's going on here um, Jesus is with the disciples and beginning in verse 28 it says the disciples were even more amazed and they said to each other who can be who then can be saved Jesus looked at them and said with man this is impossible with God all things um, but not with God all things are possible with God and Then Peter chimes in with this thought process. And to be honest, as I read this question uh, from the statement from Peter, I think it's fuel to what takes place in verse 35. Peter says this to Jesus, We've left everything to follow You. We've left everything to follow You. And Jesus says, that no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. And then he goes on the same verse 31 but many who are first will be last, and the last first. Almost as if he's reading Peter's mind as Peter says, Hey, you know what, Lord? We've given everything. And it's not said in the statement, but it's kind of written in the response as Jesus talks about the first being last and the last being first. It's almost like Peter is saying, we've left everything, what's in it for me? Where do I fit in this? Where is my position going to be? What does this look like? And Jesus comes back with this thought process, yes, those who have left homes and family and all those, they're going to be rewarded, but also let me tell you this principle that I think is very much to the foundation of the motive that's in your heart right now, Peter, and that's this, the first will be last, and the last first. And then we get to this text, and and I think that that verse kind of happens, and then He pulls the twelve aside and in verse 35, this is what takes place. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Man, if that's not a loaded question or a loaded statement. We want you to do whatever we ask. How many of your kids have ever come up to you that way? I want you to do whatever I ask. How many of you know that doesn't really fly too well? (laughs) That depends on what this is, right? And Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? He asked. Verse 37, they replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. You do not know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Do you see the same kind of connection that the, the, the verse with Peter, the first will be last, and the last first? And then we come to this point. And the ten, um, they they're, man, they're fit to be tied with James and John. And I, I think part of it is because I didn't get there first. I wasn't the first one to ask. And Jesus just he squelches all that, pulls them all together and says, listen, those with authority right now, the model that you're seeing right now in the synagogue and in the Sanhedrin and in all those places, those people who crave that kind of position lord it over people, but that's not the way it's supposed to be with you. Whoever was going to be great must be a slave of all. Um, I, I want us to to dive into this thought a little bit, and, and that's where we're going to spend some time today, is this, this idea of this passage of, of what is Jesus saying, and, and how does that fit into our, our thought process of, of serving today? Um, I, I think the first one, the first thing is this, the kingdom of God is not about power, prestige, or position. It's about servanthood and sacrifice. The kingdom of God is not about power, prestige, or position, but it's about sacrifice and servanthood. Can I sit at a position of authority? That's the question that they're asking. Can I sit? Because that sitting on your right and on your left, those were power plays. In those days, if a king were in authority, the person that would be under them would be someone who would be in, in power. You see that modeled throughout the Old Testament even. You think of, I, I think of secular kings like the one, uh, Xerxes and, and the one that sat under him from King Esther. Haman was second in command. The second in command had rulership. He had, he had authority over certain things. I think of Joseph in Egypt with the Pharaoh. Joseph was second in command. Joseph had authority over certain things. And so this mindset of kingdomship with these guys are thinking, man, I want to be in authority over these positions. And I want to have power. And I want to have this prestige. And haven't we given up everything to follow him? And, and this is what we deserve. And this is, this is our meal ticket, if you will. And Jesus kind of pulls them off to the side and said, listen, boys, it's not about power. It's not about prestige, and it's not about position. It's about being a slave of all. It's about the first being last and the last first. It's about who who, the greatest among you will be the one who serves. Because when I came, and this is kind of into another point, but I'm going to mention it here. When I came, I didn't come to be served came to serve it's not about a power position you see in god's kingdom it's not whether we can rise to the top but it's about how we can love and serve one another where we are that's what serving is about and as we take that spiritual discipline to heart and and, you know we've talked about last week we talked about evangelism and and part i think part of evangelism is this idea of servanthood Because as we serve one another, that speaks of the God that lives inside of us. I think that's something that people see, who we are. There is no precedent, no preconceived ideas, there's no preconceived notions. There should be no thoughts of advancement. We're not trying to climb this ladder of success. It's just out of love for one another, we serve people. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. This is totally backward to the way the world looks at things. Think about employment. Think about jobs. Think about the corporate world for just a moment. What's it all about in the corporate world? Pay raises, advancements, promotions. Being in charge. Some of you have no desire to be in charge, and that's fine, but that's what it's about, this idea of being in charge. That's totally different from the body of Christ. That's the way the world looks at things. That's not the way that God looks at things. And I think that that, uh, we have this idea totally backward in a lot of ways in church circles, and I think the devil does that on purpose because it stirs us up. He stirs the pot that way. We're looking for ways to jump the line instead of serving people that stand in it. To get ahead, whatever the cost, and what that will breed is loneliness because, you know, they've heard the saying, it's lonely at the top. Why? Because you had to step on too many people to get there. Push them out of the way. It leads to disharmony because in this passage of Scripture, didn't you notice, what happened when James and John wanted a position of authority? The other ten were ticked off. Right? That mentality and that mindset creates disharmony. And you won't have peace and harmony where pride and power are present. It's distrust. It creates distrust because you can't trust anyone because you're concerned about their motives. And it also creates pain because you're going to get hurt along the way. Or you're going to hurt other people. Jesus says that's not the way of the kingdom. The kingdom mindset is we do this together, not alone. The kingdom mindset is that we're in one accord and we have unity. And we're always thinking of the other person first. The kingdom mindset is that we live in peace with each other. And that we have each other's back and we trust one another. The kingdom mindset is that we are to bandage wounds, not cause them. We're to serve people. So the first thing, the kingdom of God is not about power, prestige, or position, but about servanthood and sacrifice. All right, number two. <laughs> number two, this idea that Jesus came to serve. Jesus is our model, and in this passage, he models that idea, that thought process that he came to to serve. In this text, you will find the central theme of the book of Mark, and you'll probably, it's, it's, you can make an argument that this is the central theme of all the entire Gospels, that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. That's the central theme of the Scripture. He came to serve. Serving God and serving people Um, is the forefront of what Jesus is training the disciples for. It's what the core of His training was about. It echoed throughout the New Testament. When we serve one another, we serve our families, we serve our community, we serve people. When we do those things, we model the life and the purpose of Christ in us. After all, Isn't the purpose of this process that we are to become more Christ-like? Isn't that what we should be doing? More like Jesus? The one thing that I notice about this model of serving and servanthood is this, no one is exempt. You don't get a pass. Well, I'm not a people person. So that means I don't have to come in contact with anybody. Does that work for you? It doesn't really work for me. Not that I'm not a people person. I kind of love hanging around people, but if you there comes time in life when you're going to be around people, and the idea is that the model there is to serve, and it's not based on economic or social status. Doesn't matter what you have or have not. We're still called to serve others. It's not based on age. You don't get a flyer because of your age. Well, back in the 70s and 80s, I served. But you know, today I'm retired from the kingdom purposes. Here's one of my things that I hear that, and if you say this, I'm not meaning to offend, but it's kind of a thing that you need to watch. I've done my time. Can I just be honest? Are you breathing? If you're breathing, you ain't done. Because the way that I see this is, we are to work while it is day because there's coming a time when work will be no more. And whether that is by the time that Christ calls me with the trumpet and and Jesus comes to get us or I go by the grave, I'm supposed to be serving people and doing the work of the kingdom until the day that that happens. And so there is no past for age. I look at guys in the Bible, think of Abraham. Abraham was 99 when the promise of a son came. 99. Moses was in his 80s as he's leading the people out of Egypt into the promised land. I'm going to flip that around a little bit. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were teenagers as they were making a stand for Christ. David was a teenager as he is anointed king and is slaying Goliath. There is no age requirement. There is no I'm retired. There is no I'm too young. There is no I'm too old. The idea here is that if we call ourselves a Christian, serving people is part of what we should be doing. And if we're not, we need to check ourselves. We need to check our spiritual growth. We need to check our maturity level in the Lord. Because it's a discipline that we must be doing to be Christ-like. Because Jesus said that he didn't come to be served, but to serve. Tonight, we've talked about what the kingdom looks like. It's not about power, prestige, or position. It's about service and sacrifice. It's also what Jesus modeled. But I want us to go to the passage of Scripture. It's in John chapter 13. Let's go to John chapter 13 tonight. It's our second Scripture text. And, and there's a couple of practices in here that I want us to get um, in John chapter 13. We begin reading verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, "Do you not realize You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have taken a bath need only wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. This idea of servanthood. He is sharing this last meal with his disciples. And he's setting up this ordinance here in just a little bit of communion and the Last Supper. He breaks from the meal. I find it interesting um, to say, to, that he, he breaks away from the meal and grabs this wash basin. We're going to get into this in a little bit. He grabs this wash basin, and this wasn't wasn't plastic, it was something a little different. This is just for illustration purposes, all right? He grabs a wash basin, he has, has water in it, and he grabs a towel, and he takes the towel and wraps it around his waist, and he takes the wash basin, and he starts to wash the feet of the disciples. Now, there's a couple things that I noted in this passage of Scripture as I was reading it today. Number one is this, serving people is not just done for people that treat you good. Serving people is not just done to the people who treat you good. Notice verse 2, the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Judas was with them at this moment. And Jesus still performed an act of service and washed his feet. He didn't skip him. I don't believe that. He didn't half-heartedly wash his feet, I don't think. Betray me. Done. Keep your old stinky feet. No. No probably, and I can't verify this with Scripture, but he spent just as much time on Judas's feet as he did anyone else, as he did John's feet or anyone else. He methodically went through each disciple and served them. Modeling this act of service. It was a great teaching opportunity. Many times, we want to serve people who treat us fairly. It's easy to serve the people that we get along with, isn't it? It's easy to serve our favorites, right? The guy who pays for your lunch or buys you a lemonade or the lady who fixes all your clothes and does all the things that they, they do good for us. So it's easy for us to do good for them. They treat you kindly, and and man, they're they're awesome people to work with, and we love them, and it's great, but what about the person who doesn't? What about the one who talks about you behind your back? What about the one who would hug you to your face and stab you in the back with a knife? Think about those acts acts of betrayal. Isn't that exactly what Jesus is having right here in front of him? But yet, his mentality and his model and his serving, his heart here, because that's really what this is about. It's a heart issue. His heart is such as, even though this is going to happen, I'm still Going to serve. Throughout Scripture, throughout Jesus' teaching, if you read, even if you go all the way back and start with the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about this idea of loving your enemies. This idea of loving your neighbor. He comes to the thing of the Son of Man came to serve. And he even served people who had a different agenda than his. When we love and serve others, regardless of how they treat or act toward us, we reveal the character of God in our lives. That's a tough one. That's a tough one for us. I'll be honest. It's tough. When people are mean and disheartened and ruthless, and, and we're supposed to serve them, that's tough. But the more that we do that, the more we show the character and the love of Jesus in us. The more we show whose we are. The more we show how much of Jesus we are growing in on a regular basis. It's not just about the ones who treat you fairly. It's the ones, it's everyone has a seat at the table. Everyone deserves this idea of servanthood. I've heard testimonies and stories of folks that they, because of their love, because of their serving one another, they've won their brother over, they've won their sister over, and, things have, and that relationship blossomed because of acts of serving. And those acts of serving, you know what happened? They ended up seeing Jesus in them, and it changed the life of that person. It's so true. But it's not just about serving those that treat you fairly. Any thoughts? That's good. That's good, yeah. For those of you in the back, um, we're learning to see people through God's eyes. Um, and that's a process that's difficult. And it takes time to get there. Good thoughts. Anyone else? Next thing I want to hit on this idea of, of washing the feet was, was, uh, was this. Washing the feet was a common practice. It was a common practice. This is nothing new. This is typically the job of a servant. Back in those days, they didn't have Nikes and boots and all kinds of fancy footwear. They had sandals or they had nothing, pretty much. And when you wear sandals, have you ever wore sandals out to the beach or wore sandals out in the dirt and messing around? What happens to your feet? Oh, they get dirty, don't they? And what would typically happen is a servant would come in and and he would be kind of at the door. And as the the um, the guests would come in he would take his wash basin and as they came in he would wash their feet and dry it off with a towel and and that would uh help the matter of of what that looked like this was done because typically as i said your feet would be filthy and we don't want those nasty stinky filthy feet at the dinner table when we're trying to eat amen We don't put shoes, you know, those stinky tennis shoes you got. You don't put them underneath your dinner table, do you? And try to eat. That wasn't something that guests would like. You don't invite people to your house and then put your nastiest pair of tennis shoes under the table that stink real bad, do you? And so that's kind of the thought process that was going on here. That was the idea of they would wash the servants' feet. That they would wash the the servant would wash people's feet. And I think in this Jesus is displaying that servanthood. The importance of servanthood is a regular daily practice with just the normal things of life. The act of serving people should be a regular practice with just the normal things of life. There are numerous ways every day that you can serve other people. carrying groceries for someone, mowing a lawn, making repairs that only that you can do. For some, it's just talking with people. Maybe you're volunteering somewhere that you can display God's love for people. Can I, I could be here all night. The possibilities are just endless. But I also think that we should be looking for and out of the abundance of God's love in us and our spiritual maturity, that opportunity to serve people Every day in our life. Every day. I found that the opposite of serving is selfish. The opposite of serving is selfish. And it's amazing. I I see Jesus, He takes this, and you've got to you've got to think for just a moment, what are these 12 guys thinking? When Jesus leaves the table, he's the master. He's the teacher. He is the one that they all look to. And he's the one that gets up from the table, probably at a place of position at the table, and goes over, takes the towel, wraps it around his waist, and grabs the the container, puts water in it, and starts to wash feet. No, 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 no. no. That's what Peter comes to, that conclusion. He's like, no, 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 no. Are you going to wash my feet? That's not your place. That's not your role. That's not who you are. That's, you're not that person. Get, John's the young guy. Get him to do it. He's the one that should be doing this. Not you, Jesus. You're the one. You're the teacher. You're the master. You're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus says, listen, if you don't get this principle, if you don't get this idea of what I'm trying to communicate to you, you'll have no part of me. Why? Because serving is that important. Touching the lives of people is that important. And if you're not willing to serve Peter, you'll have no part of this." Because this is not about position. This is about being a servant. And then all of a sudden when Peter hears that, he's like, no, 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 no. Okay, my head, everything. Wash it all. (laughs) That's Peter, man. If you read throughout the scripture, Peter's like this impetuous guy, man. He's just like, he's at both extremes. You're not going to wash my feet. Well, then wash my whole body. But Jesus says, listen, the point here, is, Peter, is this, is that this idea of service. The opposite of serving is selfish. <clears throat> if you have a hard time serving people, I want you to do a couple things. Number one, I want you to catch your motives and your attitudes and your thoughts. Catch your motive, your attitudes. And your thoughts. If we are truly loving God. And growing in a relationship with God. Then I believe the scriptural principle here is this. The more I grow with God. The more myself dies. John the Baptist said it this way. He must increase. And I must decrease. And if that's not happening in us, you need to check your heart, and you need to check your motives, and you need to check your attitude. When When we serve others, people see the very nature of Christ in us. Jesus came to serve. What a wonderful illustration here in John 13. I could preach a whole message on that. I'm going to pause right there. And we're going to hit the practical side of this because we need to move. But are there any discussion, thoughts, anything that you want to add to this? Any comments? I've either got them bored spitless or, they're doing, or I'm just doing a great job. I don't know what it is. Go to 1 Peter 4. We're going to look at some practical things. First Peter 4. As we go to 1 Peter 4, 1 Peter outlines what... I believe this passage of Scripture gives us an outline of what servanthood is about. There's a connection between love and serving. Can I also tell you in these spiritual disciplines? Let me kind of give you a little insight and clue. There's also a connection between love and reading your word. There's also a connection between love and prayer. There's a connection between love and worship. There's a connection between love and evangelism. Kind of catch the theme here? If you're loving God, you want to read his word. You want to pray. If you're loving God, you want to worship him. As that love for God grows and that begins to nurture itself in you and these spiritual disciplines become more and more and more and more and more a part of your life, that love inside of you will grow. Anyway, that was free. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I'll give you a few things. I believe I've got six that I find in that Scripture. The first thing is this, be alert, he says. Be alert. Look for opportunities to... To serve others. Be alert. Don't go through life with blinders on. Don't be so concerned about your day and your schedule that you forget the reason why God has placed you on this earth and given you breath. To love Him and to love others. Be alert. Don't be lethargic in your spiritual life. Be alert. The second thing is this. He goes on to say in that passage, prayer, to pray. Prayer is an important part of serving? Absolutely, prayer is an important part of serving. Prayer opens our hearts and our minds to hear the Holy Spirit speak to us. Prayer is that thing that, that connects us communication-wise with God, and we are able to see the needs of those around us. The Bible is full of illustrations like that. I'm thinking of Peter and John at the temple gate in Acts chapter 3. They're full of prayer. How, how, and, and they get to the temple gate, and the guy says, do you have any money? And one of them looks at the other one and says, you got any money? No, I got any money. You got any money? No, I got any money. Well, here's what I do have. Because they were full of prayer and the insight of the Holy Spirit and the prompting of God in that moment, what did they tell that guy? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. That takes guts. And you better be prayed up when you get to that point. And hearing the voice of God when you get to that point. But if God speaks it into your heart, God speaks it into your mind, and you're prayed up in that situation to do that, Those kind of things happen. Can I just kind of throw this out? When we go serving other people, did you know that miracles and healings and that kind of stuff were meant to happen in the marketplace? If you look at Scripture, very few, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I'm going to just say very few because there might be one, a couple. Things happened in the synagogue. Most people were healed on the street. This guy was healed at the temple gate. So if you want to call that the church, I guess you could technically. But the temple gate was the place of commerce. There's all kinds of things happening around the temple gate. healings were meant to happen on the marketplace the only way healings and miracles happen in the marketplace is if the people of god are in prayerful consideration with them and they have a heart to serve and a heart to love people and a heart to go after people and then at the moment that the holy spirit speaks to them they act on it in obedience and god moves and does great things Because we are willing to serve, we are willing to be obedient, and we are in communication with God. So, when you think about this idea of serving, prayer is an important part of that. Thirdly, man, I got to go. They're going to be chomping at the bit downstairs. The next thing I see in this is we need to love each other deeply this idea of loving each other deeply. Can I just be honest? It's hard to be selfish when you're constantly thinking about other people. <laughs> when, when, we, when I go through marriage counseling with, with folks, whether that be premarital counseling or later on, this is the idea that we encourage Couples to think about. Your marriage will go a lot better if you think about the other person and not yourself. Your relationship with people will go a lot better if you think about the other person and not just think about yourself. Our mentality oftentimes is this, what is in it for me? The same thing that James and John and Peter had in our first text in Mark 10. What's in it for me? when we start thinking about how can I help you, our mindset and mentality start to change. And we start to love one another deeply. He says this, love covers a multitude of sins. And when we love one another, how many of you know it's easy to forgive somebody that has your best interest at heart? I don't always get it right. Some of you are like, amen, I know that. God bless you. I don't always get it right. But when your motives are pure and your motives are that, man, I'm I'm doing, I think I want to do this to, to serve and to help you. And even if I didn't get it right, you know what? My intent and my heart was good. And because I love that person, it's easy to forgive somebody that has your best interest, isn't it? Love each other deeply. To get us out of the way when we have that kind of compassion in us. Fourth. Oh, and here's a hard one. Offer hospitality. Don't you wish I could stop there? Without grumbling. (laughs) Offer hospitality without grumbling. Do things for people without complaining. Can you get me a drink of water? Yeah, I can get you a drink of water. Uh, give me a drink of water. He never gets me a drink of water. I don't know what he gets me a drink of water for. I'll get you a drink of water. You know, that don't count. That's grumbling. That's complaining. Should have gotten his own water. He knew how hot it was out there. I can't believe he didn't get his own water. Let me help. You're saying that. Maybe, maybe here in, in, in this thing, here, we, we use this thing, I'll help, let me help you. And while we're helping, we're complaining the whole time we're helping. Didn't know what he's doing. I can't believe it drives me. Can I just tell you, that drives us nuts. It drives me nuts. When someone offers to help and then they complain the whole time they're helping about how they wish they wouldn't be helping, do you what you want to do? Didn't that drive you crazy? My kids, they used to do that a lot. Can can you come and help me do this? Yeah, I'll come and help you do that. And then the whole time, I can't believe it's so hot out here. I can't believe I'm doing this for you. No. It's terrible. Peter says this, offer hospitality without complaining, without grumbling. That's not the attitude of serving. If you're going to grumble about it, You've got the wrong attitude. If you're going to grumble and nitpick and be a part, you've got the wrong attitude, you need to go pray some more. <laughs> I don't know how else to say that. It got quiet in here. I, I, I don't know how else to say that. If we've got the wrong attitude and we're gonna not going to serve people with a, with a proper attitude and we're going to gripe and complain and grumble, we need to go pray more because our heart is not in the right spot. I better move on. Number five, use your gifts to serve others. There are giftings that each one of us individually have that are unique to us. Whatever you can do, do it to serve others. Can you make cakes? Serve other people with that. Can you paint? Can you work with wood? Whatever you can do, don't just do it for you. Share your gift. Share those things with others. The idea of the night of serving is all about serving others. Finally, the last point is this. Speak as God would speak and serve as God would serve. Did you catch that thought process? If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Speak as God would speak. How would God speak? God would do it with love. He would do it with compassion. Serve as God would serve. If he serves, he should do so with the strength God provides. Serve as God would serve with all your might. And then finally, I'll wrap it up with this thought. That everything we do, when we serve people, when we serve the Lord, when we do everything that we do should be done in such a way to give glory to God. That's the closing thought of this. So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power Forever and ever. Amen. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10.31 that whatever you eat, whatever you drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Are there any closing thoughts tonight before we, one final comment, and we pray together? So, it boils down to this. Are you willing to serve? Because you have been called to serve. We have been called and commissioned to serve. When I was youth pastoring in Illinois, I went to the local Super 8 and got all these old towels that they were getting rid of. And I had that embroidered on all my leaders and gave one to all my leaders. I did that here at the, during a board meeting when I first became pastor here. I did the same thing. Why? Because it's that John 13 principle that says, the greatest among you, at Mark 10, the greatest among you will be the servant of all. And we are called. We are not called to lord it over people. We are called to serve people and this act of serving Jesus did it with a towel and a wash basin with his disciples but he also did it every day of his life as he walked this earth I believe and we see that modeled in the scripture it wasn't just what he did it was who he was and that's what has to become in us that the spiritual discipline is not just what we do it's who we are Father, I thank you, Lord, tonight. You have placed us all in this place on September the 14th, 2016 for such a time as this. And each one of us has a circle of people that we influence. We have a community that you've called us to serve. We have people in our lives that you've called us to make impact on and god i pray that as we grow in our love for you as we grow in our walk with you that these spiritual disciplines we will talk about the direct correlation is the more we love you the more these things are evident in us and so god i pray that you would help us to die to our selfish nature that we may serve you and serve others more fully We thank you, Lord, tonight. God, as we go throughout this day, help us to practice the word of of your scripture tonight that we are called to serve. The word of your scripture, those points that we developed from 1 Peter and the thoughts that we've developed in the passages tonight. God, that we are your ambassadors, called to do your works. We thank you tonight and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen.